Good afternoon, church. Um, I have the, the privilege of reading today's uh, scripture, and it's out of uh, Philippians chapter 4, uh, verses 1 through 9. Uh, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Oida, and I entreat Syntyche, <laughs> to uh, agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Amen. Amen. Well, if you don't have your Bibles open already, you can, and you can... Uh, turn to that passage. Um, just a, uh, a kind of a forewarning. Tonight's message is going to be a little bit shorter and our time of worship is going to be uh, longer. We, we've done this the past several years where the week before Thanksgiving, um, just uh, we call it Worship Sunday, an opportunity for us to just uh, sit in a, a, a long time of worship. And then at the end of our service, we're going to have um, our kids come up and they get to help close our service by leading us in doxology. So really exciting. Um, Philippians 4 here. Next week will be the last week we are in the book of Philippians. And then the next, uh, so the next week will be the last week. And then the next week after that, that's the first Sunday of December. That is actually the day we're going to celebrate our 10-year anniversary as a church, December 5th. Here, 4 p.m., um, I have actually, I, I invited a lot of kind of past, some of the church planting team that started this church, and, and some people that um, just played some major roles in our church and have, um, due to moving or whatever, have moved other places, and so I'm going to kind of be a reunion of sorts. It's pretty neat. Um, the pastor who planted us, he's planning on being here too, and then we are going to have a, a, a nice catering event, so all kinds of food after. Um, so tonight, though, I, I want to look at this passage and, and really pay closer attention to a few verses. And starting in verse 4, Paul says, rejoice. Everybody say rejoice with me. Rejoice, rejoice in the Lord. And Paul's like, you know, let me just say it one more time. I love that. I will say it again. Rejoice. Now, um, the word joy or rejoice shows up in every single chapter in the book of Philippians for a total of 12 different times. And, and um, our men's group is doing a Bible study on the book of Philippians. And, and James, who actually read this text, he made this incredible observation that he actually heard from a pastor, but it was still really, really good. And this observation was this, that not only is joy or rejoicing mentioned in every single chapter of the book of Philippians, but in every single chapter, Paul dissects and talks about certain things that will steal your 
joy. You ever, you ever feel like you, your joy gets stolen? Anybody? And in this passage specifically, the, the joy thief at play here is anxiety. Anxiety is actually, many of you probably already know this, is the most common mental illness in, in all of the United States. Uh, nearly 20% of people um, struggle, um, like medically speaking, with anxiety. There's research study that's been doing and surveys that's been, been done the past um, two years specifically during COVID where they've seen that number go from 20% of people to upwards of anywhere from 24% all the way at certain points, 38% of Americans saying, I am majorly struggling with anxiety. I wonder if you have that problem. I wonder if any of you struggle with anxiety. It is a joy killer, is it not? But here's what Paul does. Not only does he talk about this joy killer called anxiety, but he gets very practical with us and he says, I actually can tell you the antidote for your anxiety. And I want to entitle this sermon, The Secret to Overcoming Your Anxiety. And Paul just gives us really two things here. They're so simple that you're going to be like, really, that's it? I thought there was going to be like a set of 10 steps here. No, it's just basically two things. And here's the first one. He just comes out and says it. Prayer. But, but more specifically, a certain kind of prayer. So, so let's just dive into this. Verse 4, here it is. Rejoice in the Lord always, always. Did you catch that? There's never a moment in which we should not rejoice in the Lord. You can be joyful in the midst of sorrow. That's why... So the gospel is so powerful. The gospel has power for you to have joy in the midst of some of the worst tragedies of your life. And he says you can have joy always. Rejoice always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your reasonableness, some translations say, let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is at work. The Lord is at work in your life, is what Paul is saying. And then here it is, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer. So there's the key. There's the key. How do you and I overcome anxiety? He says this, prayer. But notice a very specific kind of prayer. Have you ever noticed that not all prayers are created equally? I don't, I'm not trying to be like theologically, um, you know, making a strong theological statement. But let's be honest. You pray differently at the dinner table than you would at the hospital, right? Probably pray, pray a little bit differently when you're in the car and someone cuts you off. Um, versus when you're praying with your kids in bed or whatever it might be. And so what Paul does is, okay, I, I don't want you to, when you're anxious, when you're feeling anxious, don't just, don't just pray, pray. I want you to pray in a very specific way. And he mentions three things. Let's, let's name them and then let's explain them. He says, but, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, everybody say supplication, 
That is a Bible word you'd never, ever hear ever in the workplace, is it not? Uh, challenge, use that word at the Thanksgiving dinner table. Would anyone like to open with a word of supplication? Um, with Thanksgiving, so that's the next one. Everybody say Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Let your request, everybody say request. Be made known to God. He says, okay, here's the key to overcoming your anxiety. Here's the key for you to rejoice and always rejoice is that when you are feeling or experiencing that moment of anxiety, I want you to pray. But I don't want you to just pray anyway. I want you to pray with supplication, thanksgiving, and requests. Supplication, what does that mean? The Greek word here has the idea of earnest and urgent prayer. This is what you might call real-time prayers. Supplication is something happens and you stop, drop, kneel, and pray, if you will. Maybe you don't need to kneel, but you, you go to prayer. Um, that's why Paul says right before this, he says, do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer. He, he says, I, I want you to pray in such a way, I want you to make supplications. I want it to be real time. I want you to, I want you to make supplication about everything. So when you're anxious, pray. When you're stressed, Pray. When you're worried, pray. When you're frustrated, pray. When you're driving, pray. When you're getting ready to go to bed, pray. When you're sitting at the dinner table, pray. When you're talking with someone and you don't know what to say, pray. When you're talking with someone and you think you know what to say, pray. And I don't know about you, but do you have this, this habit where when you get anxious... You instantly try to identify the solution of the problem. And then if you're like me on a good day, after I've found the solution, I'll pray that the Lord will bless it. And Paul's going, well, here's a novel idea. What if instead of going to the solution, you just prayed instantly? You just, you pr- you just talked to God instantly about what you are anxious about. I think we'd be really surprised how much power there is in simply naming our anxiety to God. Not even ask for help, not even make a request, though we will get there. But but I, I dare you to try that. Some of you came in with some anxieties. I wonder what would happen if you just took a moment and said, Lord, I'm really anxious about all the things I have to do on Wednesday. Or I'm really anxious because I know that I'm going to have to have some interesting conversations on Thanksgiving. Just, just real time here, I wonder how many of you are spending Thanksgiving with people that, if I can just put it lightly, don't necessarily see eye to eye in this extremely divisive season we are in. It is astounding to me how many families are just, 
are, are, are not talking to each other in the midst of this. And Paul says, you know what you should do? You should pray. Instead of going to problem solving, going to prayer. Or I love the words of 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you. You hear that language? We have a God who is mighty. He says, Paul says back in Philippians 4, the, the Lord is at hand. And he will lift you up, casting all your anxieties on him. Why? Because God cares for you. This is the goodness of our God. There is no anxiety too small, no anxiety too great for God to care about. He says, I, I, I care about you. Whatever you're anxious about, just name it. And know that we have a heavenly Father who says, I care about that. You, all your friends may call you crazy or think you're crazy, but I care for you. He says, just name it. And then he says, after you've named it, I want you to not just pray. I want you not just to make supplication. I want you to do it in a way of thanksgiving. What, what, what does that look like? What, what does that look like? Be thankful in the midst of our anxiety. Um. I've shared this story before. It's so good. Um, Corey Tenboom, um, her and her sister, they're in their 50s, and they get put in a Nazi internment camp because they were um, housing Jews, and they got found out. And um, um, Corey and her sister Betsy are just, they love the Lord with all their heart. Betsy especially. Um, just a, a woman of faith and courage. And so they go into uh, like their second internment camp and they come in to the barracks and, and there's about 400 beds. And I kid you not, there's about 1,500 people in there, two, three, four, five, six people per bed. And, and they're trying to find a spot. It stinks. It smells. I mean, some of you, maybe you've done this. I've been to Auschwitz. It is, it is unthinkable. I think that every person should make that trip because it is so life-changing to, to see those kind of horrors that happened and that there were followers of Jesus there. And so they get into the barracks there and it is so bad. And listen, people are literally dying every single day and they get in the bed and Betsy says to her sister remember that verse we read this morning pray without ceasing give thanks in all circumstances we just need to to thank God that we have a place to stay Corey what else can we thank God for Corey's quiet doesn't really want to name anything and and Betsy says we need to thank God for everything Everything. And Corey says, everything? 
The, all of these fleas that are all over our beds and all over us and I can see them, we're supposed to thank God for that. And Betsy goes, yeah, we need to thank God even for the fleas. And Corey says, you're out of your mind. I'm not thanking God for fleas. Betsy's like, all right, have it your way. I'm thanking God for the fleas. So the story goes on in the next two weeks, every single night. I mean, the horrors throughout the day, they're seeing people um, that they sleep next to literally pass away. But every single night they get together in this crowd of hundreds and hundreds of people in this barrack. They, they would get together and they would sing worship songs together. There were several different languages. And so they'd have to translate it. And someone would come up and share a word from scripture and, 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 um, and both Betsy, but Corey even said, it, it felt like it was the closest to heaven I've ever been. But they couldn't figure out why the guards, who were just horrible, wouldn't come in and break it up. Because they could, the guards could hear them. Well, after a couple of weeks, they were working inside their barrack and they noticed the guards would come to the doorway and would not come in. Wouldn't cross the threshold. And Betsy's trying to figure this out and she starts inquiring and asking about it and the guards mention the fleas. And so Betsy goes to her sister Cora and says, oh, hey, um, you know those incredible evenings of worship and prayer that we've had? that have sustained us. And we kept wondering, why in the world would the gods not break it up? Do, do you know why? Why? The fleas. They don't want to come in because of the fleas. To be thankful in the midst of our anxiety is to acknowledge that God is at work, even in the midst of it. What if he's using that thing that's making you anxious? What if instead of praying it away, we need to pray through it because God is doing something in that anxiety. And so maybe it looks like, Lord, I just want to name it. I'm really anxious about the interactions I'm going to have with my family. But Lord, I want to thank you. I want to thank you that you are at hand and you're going to use this. Thank you. And, and, then, and then Paul says, okay, make supplications. In other words, name it, bring it before the Lord, and then express your gratitude. Be thankful. The, the Lord is at hand. But here's the third thing I want you to do. Make your request known to God. What's Paul saying? Paul is saying, ask God what you want him to do in the circumstance. There's a couple of stories where this happens in the life of Jesus, but the one that comes to mind is, is blind Bartimaeus. I don't know if you remember this story, but um, there's this guy named Bartimaeus. He's blind, and he hears that Jesus is coming through town. He can literally hear the crowds cheering and yelling, and he's by the road, and, and he's a far enough distance from Jesus that Jesus isn't going to walk directly by him. And so Bartimaeus starts shouting and yelling for Jesus, Have mercy on me, son of David, have mercy on me and all of the crowd is yelling at him to be quiet during annoyance he keeps shouting all the more Jesus Jesus and Jesus hears him breaks through the crowd and you know what Jesus says to blind Bartimaeus 
what do you want me to do for you? That's it. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And Paul is saying, Jesus is asking you that same question in the midst of your anxiety. Name it. Thank Him. And then make your requests known to God. How is it that you want God to work and move in your life? Because remember, God cares for you. And, and, and can I just say, I wonder if, I wonder if one of the things that's holding back some of your prayer lives is because some of our prayers can be so generic. Lord, would you bless this? Would you be with them? By the way, God's already with them too, right? I never have to ask God, God, would you be with me? But I do need to pray, Lord, would you help me experience and, and, and feel your presence with me? But sometimes our prayers can be so generic so that when God answers them, we never really even notice. And God, God, I think, really loves answering a very specific prayer request. We say, Lord, I'm struggling. I need the exact words to say because I don't know what to say. And so Paul says, you've got anxiety. Here's how you overcome it. Prayer. Prayer is the difference between you working to make things happen and God working to make things happen. And Paul says, I want you to pray, but I want you to pray in such a way that you bring every single anxiety, worry, stress, struggle, just name it. Thank him for it. And then make the request known to him. And sometimes if you're really struggling, the most powerful way to do this is to get out a pen and a paper. Because there is something so powerful about writing things down that they become so much more clear. And, and Paul says, and, and here's what the result will be. If you pray this way in the midst of your anxieties, he says in verse 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus he says, when this happens, notice he, said, he does not say your circumstances will drastically change. You know that thing you were worrying about? It's gone. You know that person you were frustrated with? God took care of him. He doesn't say that, right? I mean, I, I, I do not take scientific research done on how often God delivers me from my troubles when I ask him. But I would not be surprised if nine times out of ten, God is more interested in me walking with him through the valley than him bringing in a helicopter rescue team, taking me out and bringing me to a beach. And so Paul says, hey, when you do this, you know what's going to happen? Something's going to happen in your heart. You're going to have peace. 
And it's going to surpass understanding. Well, what does that mean? It means that it, it, it's going to surpass understanding. It, it's going to be divine from God. People are going to be like, I, I, I'm looking at what's going on in your life and you seem unfazed. There seems to be the spirit of peace. Dare I say joy? What is happening? And you say, well, I have the peace that surpasses understanding. That's found in Jesus. Did you notice that? That is in Jesus. Because in John 14, Jesus says, peace I give to you. That, that it's in Jesus, it's in Jesus that we find this peace. Because He is at the right hand of God right now, interceding for you and I. But let's see how this passage ends. Paul moves on. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything that's excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think. Everybody say, think. He doesn't say do. Did you catch that? Think about these things. So just two brief observations about verse 8. Observation number one. He doesn't say do these things. He says think about these things. That's interesting. Maybe it's because thinking always precedes doing. And the other part of this is, is, remember, he's talking about joy killers. And the joy killer he's speaking about is, is anxiety. Anxiety, now I'm no expert, but anxiety basically always starts, and dare I say, lives in our mind, does it not? Anxiety, where it takes hold of us, is in our mind. And he says, you want to overcome anxiety? Let's talk about your thoughts. How often are you filling your thoughts with things that are pure or things that are true? Holy smokes. Anybody watch the news lately? Everything is like an opinion piece. It's, it's hard. It is, I don't know about you. I feel like it's hard to know who's telling the truth. And, and I can feel myself getting all worked up. Am I the only one? And Paul said, thank you, Kara. God bless you. <laughs> Me and Kara are the only ones who are worked up about what's on the news. We've got a bunch of holy people here, Kara. You know, we'll be in the front row. How's that sound? Um, but he says, fill your thoughts with these things. Whatever is pure. Whatever is excellent. Whatever is praiseworthy. I love that last one. Whatever is praiseworthy. What is that? One commentary I read said, the things that God applauses. Applauds. The things that God says, yeah. Think about those things. I wonder if you and I position ourselves throughout the day by what goes into our ears or what we see with our eyes that doesn't even come close to these eight descriptions here. 
what would it look like for us to fill our minds with all eight things? And that leads me to my second and last observation. All eight of these things, you know what they have in common? They are all descriptions of Jesus. He is pure. He is true. He is commendable. One translation has it, whatever is beautiful. Jesus is so beautiful, isn't he? Fill your mind with Jesus. Let me end with a story. I was reading this in a, in a book, and I'm going to ask the worship team to, to come up. I'm reading this, this book, and it was talking about a gentleman named Frank Lubeck. I don't know a ton about him. He wrote in, in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, and, and he was a missionary. He was a pastor. And somewhere along the line, he had this idea. What if every, at least one second out of every minute, I thought about Jesus all day long? Just one second out of every 60 seconds, I, I filled my mind with Jesus. And he would fill his mind with questions like this. What, Father, do you want me to say in this moment? Father, what would you have me do right now? Just every 60 seconds, he, he did that. Probably as an act of discipline at first, and then after a while, it became just became part of him. He called it the game of minutes. And he did this every single day. And after six months, and and he admits he was by no means perfect. After six months, he writes this. Six months into the game of minutes, this last Monday, it was the most completely successful day of my life to date so far as giving my day to complete and continuous surrender to God is concerned as I looked at people with a love God gave they looked back and they acted though as I was walking with them I felt then that for a day I saw a little of that marvelous pull that Jesus had as he walked along the road day after day, God intoxicated and radiant with the endless communion of his soul with God. That sounds, I realize this sounds so radical. Maybe like almost impossible to spend one second of every 60 seconds of our day thinking of Jesus, thinking of what he would have us do. But do you remember that place in, in, in John 5? Jesus says to the religious leaders, he says, you have to understand, I only do what the Father tells me to do. That, that was Jesus. Can you imagine what your life would be, look, what your life would look like If one second out of every 60 seconds, you just ask yourself the question, Father, what would you have me do? God, what is it you have for me? God, how how can I love this person? Can you imagine? I have to imagine the anxiety would melt away. I have to imagine the love you would have, the grace you'd have. How about the peace you'd have, the joy you would have? These are the simple secrets of overcoming anxiety.
prayer and filling your mind with worshipful thoughts of Jesus. And so, as we move into a time of worship, we're going to sing a couple of songs of worship and then I'm going to come back up and we're going to take communion together. But for these next couple songs, I just want you to fill your mind with Jesus. Fill your heart with the beauty of Jesus as you sing, as you listen. Maybe you close your eyes, maybe you raise your hands. But just to to take this time to surrender to the Lord. If you need prayer, I want you to pray for yourself. Pray for the person next to you. If you need prayer, I'm going to position myself in the back and, and I'd love to pray for you. But let's just spend these next moments filling our hearts and our minds worshiping Jesus. Amen.